I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello, I'm Chris England, and I'm here to tell you about the Fun Factory podcast, available now on Great Big Owl. Each time, I will be reading a couple of chapters of my novel, The Fun Factory, a historical comedy about the history of comedy, so it will kind of be like a free audiobook, which you can listen to at the gym, or jogging, or at your desk while pretending to do your job, or on the train, without the embarrassment of people seeing you actually reading a book like some kind of SWAT. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones The Walking Dead Westworld No, that's the West Wing West, Westworld There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Hello there, I am John Holmes, and welcome to the The One Show Show, the pod that casts a snarky rope around The One Show, drags it off the television and chucks it in a metaphorical harbour. This week on those oh-so-green sofas that matter, then, The One Show solicit for your homemade porn, actress Rosamund Pike is trapped in a dark cellar in Prague, and a disreputable puppy breeder attacks Matt Allwright with a pressure hose. (laughs) Joining me in my support bubble, especially set up to not support The One Show in any way at all, are of course the regular The One Show 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 of Mark Haynes and an actress and comedian who's been in Victoria. She does co-hosts the Bitchin podcast. She's been in Doctor Who. She's got her own fan page on the TARDIS wiki, whatever that is, but I guess it means you, you've arrived. Hello, Tilly Steele. Hi, yeah, Hi. they literally give you that if you, like own socks of someone who was in Doctor Who. It is really very meaningless, but uh, I'll take it. At this point, take I it. will literally take anything. Of course, take it. It does mean that after this, of course, you'll be on the One Show's wiki fan page, if there is such a thing. (laughs) I'm setting it up after this, as soon as we finish here. (laughs) So, Tilly, do you... uh, The question we always start with, with guests we haven't had on before, do you... what Have you ever watched the One Show? Are you an avid viewer, or have you simply watched it for this? No. 
I don't watch it, and I would like my brain cells back. <laughs> <laughs> I've like... It's funny how consistent that is, isn't it, mm. with, with people we have on, yeah. Go on, what did you make of it? I mean, it's just awful, isn't it? It's just sort of tepid... It's like tepid bathwater. It's like you don't... It's not the worst thing that I've ever been through, but I wish I could summon the energy to get out. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we'll start... Were you familiar with the work of Amal Rajan before this? I wasn't, no. I, I actually thought he was quite good. You know, he's funny. Funnier than yeah. most of the hosts that I've... Well, that I have seen. I mean, I haven't really... When I have watched it, it's been like when it was on when I came home from school like 10 years ago yeah, and it was just on in the house. Um, so Amal Rajan, he was, so he was guest presenting this week with the regular Alex Jones and Amal, they started off on one of the programmes we watched by sort of uh, Alex welcoming him back saying he'd been away on paternity leave. Mm. Now then, you've been on paternity leave. I have. You've come back, new look. You look, yeah, on? very pink. Well, I've been trying not to pile on the pounds. Have you oh. noticed that that's sort of what you do? So I've been I hardly recognised you. Really? I mean, it's really worked. You think I've lost weight? Loads. Which was odd for me, because he hasn't been off radio or television at all. No. He's still been doing his job as the BBC's media correspondent on everything I've been watching. And, and it's so, also a total misunderstanding of how people watch The One Show. People watch The One Show like Tilly used to watch The One Show, which is it's on in the background. The idea that you're, you've got some kind of tally of how many times each presenter has come on and going, well, that's unusual. I've not seen Amol for two weeks. I hope he's not <laughs> dead and milk piling up outside his flat. You know, it's a total... When they say, oh, you know, we haven't seen you for a while, you just go, oh, right, OK. No one knew. No one knew. We learned very quickly about his wedding, though, didn't we, in the, um, the sort of small wedding chat that they had about... There were talking about ten people being allowed at a wedding, you know, with all the easing of lockdown and so on and so forth. And tell us who you'd invite. Because be quite ten useful. people, I mean, that's cutthroat, isn't it? Very in terms much of so. guest list. Which they never went back to. No. They never returned to that dud of a texting. I, I presume it was just because it was like people were going, well, I'd have Sally, Tom, Brian, <laughs> Jonathan, and just reading out nine of those. It yeah. would have been terrible. I wouldn't have my brother, therefore... we don't get on. It's like, no one gives a fuck. Like... <laughs> Alex um, was very insistent in a very Welsh way, I thought, that, uh, that uh, any wedding should have under hundred. Under hundred. 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 <laughs> brand, brand new compound word. Under hundred. I wish we only had ten at my wedding. We had about 350. How many did you have at yours? Under hundred. Hamel had over 350. And four elephants. <laughs> well, I'm Indian, so you have to have 350. And four elephants. Four elephants at his wedding. Not three yeah. elephants, like you yeah. stupid poor people. I had four. <laughs> I also liked Amol's clothing, because though I have seen him on other programmes... He'd had a bit of a makeover, did you not? He said he'd been trying to lose weight by going running mm. or something. But he seemed to be wearing a pink, a bright pink jumper, which is absolutely fine if he wants to, but it's not what we're used to seeing Amal Rajan in. So I was a bit bemused by that. And then when he turned up later in the week, he was back to normal. So I don't know whether it was a failed experiment. <laughs> I can't work out what he was doing. What does he usually wear? Well, just like sort of a denim shirt or a, or a you know, just a, a, a sort of suit shirt, if you will. Not a bright pink jumper and matching socks and his jeans rolled up like a youth. Sorry, he's very sort of man at Burton normally. And this seemed like an attempt to sort of go, I've had a bit of time off, I've had a rethink. I've been down Ted Baker. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only thing that's open. He's had a rebrand. I think we're all yeah. coming close to our true selves in lockdown, aren't we? We, we then had, uh, well, we, we, were, we had guests, of course. We had Anne-Marie Duff 
uh, and Mark Addy, who are in a new drama um, about the Salisbury poison. The country's drama cupboard isn't bare yet, and our guests tonight prove it. And, you know, the drama, Mark, does focus, doesn't it, on the community and the heroes that emerged during that time. Um, and we all saw the news and watched it with great interest. But what little details, then, did you find out about by reading the scripts? Because, of course, they would have delved, you know, to that deeper level, wouldn't they? Yeah, it was it was really, really uh, thoroughly researched by the writers. They they spoke to uh, to a number of people involved, got their 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 full story. Yeah, I really um, like this on on the iPlayer when you click to watch this episode of the One Show. It has the little trail underneath that t- tells you what to expect. And it said, uh, uh, coming up, you know, Alex and, and Amol talk to Rosamund Pike and the stars of the Salisbury Poisonings. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping it would just be two Russian blokes. What a coup that the one show managed to get them and question them finally. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. No, no, alas no, not. But before we spoke to them proper, Gethin had a film. Gethin Jones uh, is another standing presenter, but he was given a film all about the uneaten food from Thomas Cook. I just wanted to die. With thousands of flights cancelled, planes have been left stranded on tarmac all across the UK. But while they're not going anywhere, some of the in-flight meals are travelling to a very different destination. Every single moment of this, I I could not believe what I was watching. I, I could not believe... I just couldn't believe it. He was what? He was in a refrigerated warehouse. I mean, he was uh, chatting to some business people about what they do with airline food. I mean, what's not to like, Tilly? Really? In a I mean, way, it was, uh... actually, it was probably the most relaxed I've been since lockdown started <laughs> because there wasn't really anything to do but just really just breathe and wait for it to be over. Yeah. yeah. What do you make of Gethin Jones as a presenter? I know you're going to be nice and that's fine, but. Um, you don't know me. Then I'll bring Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've already said you liked Amol, so I'm getting, you know, that's the first time anyone's ever said that, so I'm just... Oh, I mean, uh, I'm in awe of anyone who can do this job and not want to blow their own brains out at the end of the day, so, (laughs) you know, fine. To be honest, to be honest, John, I can't really remember who you're talking about. I vaguely... (laughs) I remember someone being there while the, like, footage of the warehouses was happening. Um, I, I couldn't... I couldn't for the life of me, tell you what facial features he had. <laughs> I think that, that tells us a great deal. I, think that's... <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. He's one of Mark's favourite presenters, isn't he, Mark? How, and how did you get on with him? Because in the studio, you despise him. Mm. But I wonder how you got on with him when he's thrown out into the world of filmmaking for the one show. Oh, well, it's absolutely every bit as bad. I'm just blown away by how big this place is. I, I <laughs> Look, look he, he gets edited down. There was a, a, a bit where he was... He sort of puts in little bits of, I'm not like your other presenters who come in and do this straight. I like a little bit, and I bet he calls it this, of banter, right? So he comes in and there was a little bit where he's... The man is saying, oh, well, you know, there's all the... You get chicken and beef. So we've got a pallet of food here. Yes. Um, what, what's, what's on the menu, boss? You can have chicken or beef. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they would be going around the world. And he says, well, he says, I'd rather be going around the world than stuck here in this warehouse with you. All I would say is that I wish I was eating this on the way to a nice hot country, not with you in a refrigerator <laughs> of this size. And it's slightly when people get Bantz wrong, isn't it? Bantz is, I mean, fundamentally wrong anyway. It's disgusting. If you talk about Bantz or you like Bantz, you're, you are awful <laughs> but some people don't get it wrong and Gethin got it wrong so what he was basically doing is normally in that thing you'd go well 
I, I, I mean, a lot of people would say they'd rather be on a world trip. But you know what? I'm happy being in a refrigerated warehouse with you, Gary. And instead, he's, it's just like the wrong one. You did the really unkind one where you went, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. I'd rather be somewhere else. But isn't he just speaking for us all when we're watching the one show? Really, Mark? I mean, he's sort of agreeing with us. Gethin Jones does not speak for me, John. <laughs> I will not have that. <laughs> Hashtag I stand with Gethin. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, the one thing I did do about this, which I liked, is, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting... It's always one of those bits that I sort of wonder if it's paid for by the av- aviation industry and things like that. And I know it's good PR for them because, oh, we're doing something for charity. It's either that or we have to pay to have it taken away and incinerated which is probably going to cost us money. So at least these meals were all being donated and they said it was to vulnerable people, I think, in Manchester. Yeah. It was but, also yeah. through the charity um, Open Kitchen, which I think I've seen a bit of on Instagram. They seem yeah. to be doing good stuff. Today, 6,000 meals are being taken to Social Enterprise Open Kitchen, where they'll need to defrost for 24 hours. The meals are then repackaged, ready for distribution. Corin is helping coordinate this huge operation. So we've got um, spinach gnocchi. Sounds quite nice, actually. They did have a little bit where they were talking about... uh, Again, this was being padded out. There's not much more to say than you say there's all these airline meals and they're going to a charity and the charity will distribute them. And the guy that they met who actually was getting them was charming and he was just like, they are delicious. Uh Uh-huh, so this meal has me a lot. Are they good? Yeah, very good. I love it. And that was really sweet. The thing about it was they, they sort of mentioned bits that I want to know more about. And one of them is is they sort of said they're taken to the, the charity who then repackage them. And I said, but why, why are we putting extra work in this? It, it's an airline meal. Just give it to someone. They, if you eat it in a plane out of that thing, you could eat it in your house out of that thing. They were very keen to say they were defrosted for 24 hours. I don't need this information. There's too much padding in a simple piece. Well, there was also the point that nobody picked up on, where, uh, you know, and I do travel writing, OK? So, you know, I, I, I've, I've... Well, we all probably know this. They over-flavour airline food. We've got an Indian butternut chickpea curry and rice. The guys on the table behind us have got uh, slow-roasted shin beef with red wine gravy. At altitude, food... You, your taste buds don't work properly. Okay, so they over-spice it in order to make it taste like, like food at all, in fact, rather than just chewy cardboard. Okay, so they add extra spices, extra flavouring, uh, and that's a specific thing in the airline industry. Yeah, extra now, salt, you're... isn't it? Extra salt, Extra salt, thing, yeah, is... but certainly a lot of spice. Yeah. So you serve that on the ground in, in <laughs> at ground level, that's going to taste fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so, I can't believe nobody went, oh, God, it's... Salty, spicy <laughs> shit. It's basically the cinnamon <laughs> challenge, but for people who are disadvantaged and are waiting for their dinner. It's really cruel. Uh, they had, the, the, you know, again, two representatives in the airline industry who were talking about, you know, well, you know, otherwise this stuff will be, you know, thrown away. Well, look, they mentioned all the meals were made last year. The second that they're cooked, we blast freeze immediately, and that really helps preserve the quality of the food. It's, if they're frozen. Just yeah. keep them for next year. Yeah, that's right. There's no need yeah. for all of this. And all those big questions aren't asked. And the reason they aren't asked is because Gethin Jones is a bad person. <laughs> 
Hello, I'm Justin. And I'm Lucy. And together we are the hosts of Plenty Questions. It's a very straightforward general knowledge quiz. We ask you 20 questions, one after the other, five second gap in between, and you shout the answers out. And then you tweet us to let us know how you've got on. See if you can get 20 out of 20. No one has so far, but that's because we haven't started doing it yet. Mm, but we will. Uh, and there's also going to be some fiendish brain teasers, so join us for Plenty, Plenty Questions. questions. 
We'll make it happen. Yeah, a bit disappointing, to say the I'm least. Sure but there we go. Yeah, it'll happen. We'll make it happen. So let's go on to... Don't lie! It's a, re- it's a, a really strange Don't make the way. people sad! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. Yeah. I just yeah. got an image like of... One show, people, one show viewers will just believe whatever you say, Amal. Yeah, I've got an image so of Mark Addy on the phone to Amal Rajan going, Amal, mate, thanks so much. What are, we, what are you going to do? Amal? <laughs> Amal? Amal, I'll ring back. His, his phone's off. His surname was Nitrate. That's all I asked. <laughs> oh, why? Um, a good, a good you... drag race name for Amal Rajan. If they do a celebrity <laughs> drag race, I would like to see Amal Nitrate. Amal Nitrate. That would be his drag name, yeah. Right. Um, Tilly, the, the little film they showed... Now, the, the one show don't often do this, because, but they felt the need, it seemed, to have a bit of background, I'm going to say journalism, into the story of the Salisbury poisonings. <sighs> Okay, they don't do that normally. Normally, it's just chat to the guests about the drama. It did stick out, reason, didn't it? Didn't it though? Mm. What I just wanted to get your take on it because it was really quite unone show. It was like a GCSE media studies project. <laughs> <laughs> it was really strange. <laughs> it was. It's like a mini panorama. Yeah. Wasn't it? it was, but but also voiced by Alex Jones. <laughs> okay, who doesn't have the voice of Gravitas to pull that. She's a fluffy presenter who's, you know, used to talking about salmon fishing in Scotland. We'll get on to that, whatever uh, whatever it was. But she's not used to sort of doing quite what is hard news. Now, we've put together a quick little reminder about what happened back in March 2018. It was in the cathedral city of Salisbury where Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia were found slumped on a bench. So the, it, and the music was over dramatic. So there was a real jarring of things going on in this little film yeah. where the one show went a bit political. It was a bit strange. Traces of nerve agent were found on Sergei's front door handle. Two Russian military intelligence officers were identified as main suspects. And then when he came back to the studio, having showed this anomaly, uh, Amol Nitrate said to Anne-Marie Duff, Anne-Marie, I can see you shaking your head in disbelief at that. No, Anne-Marie, I can see you just watching that. You're shaking your head in sort of disbelief. And I thought, well, yes, we all are. Yeah, the bit where she said Russia and then, like, the Russia flag, like, came down and, like, the music went all menacing. I was like, what is this? This is the weirdest... Sergei Skripal hasn't been seen in public since the poison... Chilly, this is this is a thing that like you're the only person who's got experience of this, but it's quite difficult, I think, for people to interview actors because they get confused as to. I mean, this this was a perfect example where they treated uh, Amory Duff and Mark Addy as if they were the people who had researched and written yes. this drama, yeah. Yeah. and so they were asking them for sort of you know. I mean, essentially, they might as well have been saying, so who do you think did it in the end and what is your evidence? Do you get that when you get interviewed a lot, that people don't ask you about the work you do, but they're asking you about everything else? Yeah, I mean, I've only been interviewed a couple of times, but they are generally deeply unsatisfying experiences. (laughs) And to be honest, what I've realised in lockdown about actors in general is we are idiots and we really shouldn't... And I'm including myself in that. I'm a complete moron. I'm just an attention seeker who has got a bit lucky. And but then in like the celebrity obsessed culture, everyone kind of holds us up as kind of like role models almost. And I'm like, there's no one who gets into acting who like you don't get into it because things have gone well for you. It's like like it's really not. Anyway, I'm I'm going off topic, but um. (laughs) 
Yeah, I just think we don't need to... I mean, I, I thought bo- both of them were really lovely and dealt with all the questions really well, and yeah, I, I got a bit of anxiety having to listen to them answer the questions. Did Ross always suspect, then, that his neighbour was a spy? He... Uh, I, I met him, and he's a lovely man, and had a chat with him, and um, and he said, uh, he said that he wasn't given a... a you know, a, 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 a false... Uh, Identity. They did their job. Interviewing actors, I reckon. I, yeah. I don't think that uh, there are so few questions that you can actually ask that are original or that are actually of interest to the actors themselves. I think yeah. it's a re- all you can do is just go. Um, what? How do you do the acting? What? what yeah, because people what, don't what really understand. Acting? Like people don't really understand what an actor does in the first place, really. And then I just think we should. I just think actors shouldn't be famous. I just think we just we just do, we do a really specific job that's great, and it, of course it has a lot of value and stuff. But I just think, what you know, and maybe some of us have got something really interesting to say sometimes. But kind of this obsession with putting us in everything, I guess, is because we're like, oh, well, you do the finished product, therefore you. Yeah. also have to do all the publicity and all the rest of it but I do I do think it would be better if they had like the writers on of that show but of course as 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 we know it's the writers uh aren't going to get the viewers, are yeah. they? So you say we've got Mark, Addy and Anne-Marie Duff. This, of course, is irrelevant with the one show because that is, as we know, television wallpaper and it's just <laughs> on in the background. So it really doesn't matter who's on, mm. to be honest, but they sort of think it does. They must think, oh, we'll get more viewers if they're on. You won't. You'll just get the mm. normal people that watch the one show. It'll just be the same. It doesn't matter who you have on. You might you as well just have a piece of the set. Here is yeah. here is a piece of the yeah. set. You might as well yeah. Zoom call Vladimir Putin. Like no one's yeah. no one's going to write in. No one's paying attention. So the only way people would watch it is if they uh, had a blanket marketing PR campaign that said tonight on the One Show, mm. Amyl Nitrate is going to take Novichok just to see what happens. <laughs> that is the only way I think anybody would tune in. Specifically, John, I think that's that's you know that's silly. You know that's 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 just idiotic to be honest when you've got Gethin Jones who could take it in <laughs> <laughs> I did feel like when I heard the word Novichok I was like hmm Novichok I haven't heard that name in years <laughs> like, it felt like 8 million years ago that that happened I did also think like we all remember what happened like it was in the news for like 3 months like there yeah, was no yeah, need yeah. for like the, the whole backstory. Like we would, we all remember is, what happened. I like the security guy coming out. I thought that was good when he came oh, out. Oh, the BBC so, security correspondent. Yeah, 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 yeah they yeah. basically sort of asked the actors all the questions they asked him, and then they went to an expert, which I thought we really undercut everything we just seen. <laughs> and we thought we'd get an expert to tell us the latest, Gordon Carrera, who's the BBC security correspondent. Gordon, we're all sort of. Um, it's great to, to speak to you. We, we were all taken aback by some of the details of the show. Just tell us a bit about Novichok. Just how dangerous was this nerve agent? Well, it's one of the most dangerous substances in the world. It was, it's engineered, created in the Cold War to kill. And a spoonful of it could kill hundreds, perhaps thousands 
of people. Uh, it was Amazing. made in a secret Soviet laboratory uh, designed to be used at times of war on a battlefield. And that makes it even more remarkable that the, the first time it was used wasn't on a battlefield, but was on in the quiet city of Salisbury. He, he made some sort of like statements that I honestly think I'll never forget. And one of those is, all you need is like a spoonful of Novichok and you can kill hundreds, possibly thousands of people. One of those things that I think, you know, maybe in the future will come in use. <laughs> <laughs> the other weird bit of the film, because you were talking, Tilly, about the, the strange, you know, the mentioned Russian flag and then the music, the music changed and the, all that kind of started to happen. There was a really weird bit when it said Britain, when this happened, Britain expelled uh, various Russian diplomats from the UK back to Russia. The poisoning led to Britain expelling 23 Russian diplomats and other countries followed suit. And the clip they chose to illustrate that was two men in Russian military outfits, costumes, uniforms, with proper big old Russian furry hats on, but they were holding two traffic signs and walking across a square, and the traffic signs had arrows on them, and they were just sort of exiting the screen with these traffic sign arrows. And that's what they used to illustrate Russian diplomats exiting Britain. <laughs> it was such a strange Really specific. Really specific yeah. that you couldn't find actual footage of the Russian diplomats, but you yeah. managed to find two men dressed as traditional Russians carrying exit signs. Really specific. That's some I stock think a record. footage, working hard. And speaking of stock footage that had clearly been on the shelf for a very long time, I think we have a new record. Now, Tilly, we get slightly obsessed with the one show's films that they show, because a lot of them have clearly been hanging around for a long time. So we talk about this a lot. So, you know, if you do happen to get a film about um, uh, salmon fishing in Cornwall, okay, you can sort of judge that it's been sitting on a shelf. And if they've got a guest who's got an interest in fishing, they will often link up these items. They'll sort of go, oh, we've got... As we learned later on in the week, we've got uh, Paul Whitehouse and Bob Mortimer coming on. Oh, as luck would have it, we have a film about fishing. And they do a programme about fishing. However, this one, they admitted, had been on the shelf for three years. And it was the film about Edward Colston. Now, yesterday, this happened in Bristol. Uh, protesters dragged down a statue of the slave trader Edward Colston and threw it in the harbour. He's a very divisive figure whose name can still be seen on Bristol streets and buildings and arguments have been raging for years about whether that should change. Yes. Uh, in 2017, we sent Angelica Bell to a local school that at the time was asking the same question. How doesn't Bristol. that say a lot about our society and the fact that no-one was interested in Britain's history yeah. until That's some brave exactly. folks did the right thing and pulled it down. And The news is the news this week. that We'll be recording this, of course, about the statues all being pulled down. That was the big high-profile one initially. The one show must have gone, hang on a minute. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a film about, about the slave trader that we made, but we never showed yeah. it. But now it ties in with the news. Quickly, find the film. Get it out of the bin. Why hadn't they showed the film? The film was actually one of their most informative ones they've ever done. <laughs> I, I actually thought there was something a bit irresponsible about putting this film on. And the thing was, it was talking to the woman who slightly said, um, we can't, you know, change history. And, you know, it's, it's, she was interviewed in a, in a cathedral. And I actually thought, when you have changed the discussion as the last week has, you can't put things of people from three years ago saying, I support this and things, because everything's been reframed. Now, Colson was a philanthropist, so why are we judging him 
by our modern day standards, when at the time what he was doing was seen as good. When we think about slavery, we need to think about terrible suppression of, of the enslaved people. On the other hand, many white Bristolians who have been sold a sanitized version of Colston's story. You know, they grew up, they had a date or their first kiss under the statue, they went to Colston's school. It's part of their history. And to completely eradicate his name m- makes people feel they don't have control over their city's identity. And her, her view was basically going, uh, it should stay there. She probably wouldn't be on television saying that this week. And I thought that that, that was naturally... So that was a little bit unfair I, to her. I, I thought that was a, a little bit of a, a terrible decision by whoever put that film out and didn't, you know, snip that bit out. Ditto some of the primary school children they spoke to. So there was a primary school called Colston Primary, which is not anymore, nope. uh, they pointed out at the end. But there was a debate amongst the school children that the teachers were framing in their primary age about whether or not to rename the school. And they'd done it as lessons and history lessons and everything else. But what they did was film these kids, and again, who are all three years older now, of course, um, but, and some of them might be racist now, so they might have changed their views as well. But they were were talking to these kids who were brilliantly having this debate and it was like it was it was excellent these kids were sort of solve you know sort of really going into this going well he did bad things didn't he but should we tear that down i don't know i don't want to change it because um i like it the way it is and people might forget i think we should change it because people would think that we're a supporter of edward colston but you can't just like forget history and pretend it never happened now whether or not they've been sort of coerced into saying it for the cameras I don't know but they seem sort of genuine and I just came away thinking I want these kids in charge of everything great idea I want them to sort out Covid and trans issues I want these Bristol children on it all because they were pretty good look one of the kids said look if he's been bad why should we remember him if he's been bad why should we remember him and my counterpoint to that would be if we hadn't have remembered who Ebba Colston was then we wouldn't have got to throw his statue into the hall. <laughs> and that was brilliant. <laughs> um, also worth saying, on this little film, just uh, as it opens, they have the word Colston. You see it again and again and again in all the different places in Bristol. And for the first two minutes, Angelica Bell referred to him as Colson throughout the entire thing. <laughs> Didn't have the T in it. Many of its buildings and streets are named after Edward Colson, a generous 18th century benefactor. Edward Colson was a successful merchant, MP... And hearing her go, Edward Colson, while there was that big thing that said Colston on it, was properly magic. I think that's fair enough. I mean, who wants to get a dead racist's name right anyway? (laughs) She might have been doing it on purpose, That's maybe her way of being like, I don't want to fucking go and talk about this guy. (laughs) She did change it after, so after two minutes she then did Colston. This is Colston's primary school. The school has decided to use the occasion of its 70th anniversary to decide whether it should change its name. So, uh, I, I mean, as much as I would like to think she is she is making a, a stand there, I think it's just she hadn't read the notes very well. A bit <laughs> heartbreaking. But. Can we talk about Rosamund Pike? Uh, in, in the Now, we've, again, many people are being interviewed on all sorts of programmes, including The One Show, with interesting or otherwise backgrounds of their homes. Mm. Uh, she on in a sauna? So so she looks like she's in a sauna. Exactly. What was she in? Even Alex referenced it. Now then, time to meet our next guest. It's the brilliant Rosamund Pike. <laughs> Evening, friends. How are you, Ros? Very Hi, dark room. <laughs> in my mis- <laughs> my mysterious house in Prague. Yes. Do you remember yeah. Joseph Fritzl's dungeon? <laughs> she literally. She looked so. And then when Alex was like, "Oh, 
oh, you're somewhere a bit weird. She was like, as if, like, you look literally look like you're in a sauna. It's yeah. fucking weird. Was, what, what are you it doing? It was dark. It was yeah. dark and, and the corner of a cellar. Be- well, and she was in be- Prague. Uh, because she's so well made up as well, it just looked really jarring, the whole thing, that you sort of go, what is this really elegant, beautiful woman doing in this dark pit. It looked like the opening of some film, which is all about her trying to work out how to get out of it. You know, really intense and I just kept expecting someone to shuffle in wearing a towel and just say, excuse me, like... Yeah, move chuck, chuck in some water on some hot pot. Yeah. It really you're made not... me want to go to a sauna, actually. <laughs> really did. You, you, you are not allowed to film inside the sauna. <laughs> that would be the first thing I'd say. <laughs> but, you know, a, a couple of bits they did with her that I loved, and one of them was that shot. And right at the end, they sort of said, thanks, Rosamond. And she is a pro. She kept staring down the barrel of the end, smiling, and it stayed for too long. They didn't cut her off. And she didn't sort of then start picking her microphone. But she, this just fixed grin behind the two presenters <laughs> as they were doing their goodbyes of Rosamond Pike just beaming out. Thank you for that, Rosamond. Thanks, Rosamond. Radioactive is available on digital download from next Monday. Thank you so much to Anne-Marie, Mark and Rosman. Joining us tomorrow are two more British acting titans. Have you seen The Hunger Games? There's a character in that who is like on a big screen, a woman sort of elaborately made up, and it really looked like that. It looked like a society where Rosamund Pike was in control and appeared on every television <laughs> show, casting her eye over it. Shelley. It was, it was, the, and I, I spent the whole time, rather than looking at her, I was looking at the background. I, whether you've been to Prague, I've been to Prague, it's obviously a very medieval, sort of slightly oppressive feeling town which retains that sense of history yeah. at the end of the bridge of the big the famous bridge in prague over the river at the end of that bridge on the right there is a, a torture museum full of implements throughout medieval history uh, the, the horrible things they used to do to people mm. from spiky things to things that held your mouth open to all oh, it really really grim place and it looked like she was just sitting in there <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, looking back on it now it feels to me like she was in a big coffin it had that sort of rough wood interior and the slats and everything. I, I presume that's yeah. what it was. It was a big coffin. I think Rosamund Pike <laughs> might be a vampire. <laughs> All the evidence is now suggesting that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, she's, she's playing uh, Marie Curie, isn't she? Uh, yeah. Again, uh, interestingly, she took chemistry lessons in pre- preparation for the role. Doesn't God, we're annoying, him. aren't we? <laughs> 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 And right there, we call a halt to the undignified and terrible history of this week's The One Show and its crimes. And we say, no, that is enough. Well, until tomorrow, of course, when we will re-erect it all before pushing it over again. Please do rate and review this podcast and spread the word on social media so that your friends, family and colleagues all get a chance to discover just how rude we are to an inoffensive television programme that barely deserves a mention. See you tomorrow. Welcome to All Rather Mysterious, the podcast that aims to unlock the mysteries of the past with the key of fact. My name is John Rain. My name is Eleanor Morton. My name is David Reed. Please join us as we present to you mysteries that have baffled the world. You had any noises? What about um, a door creaking? Uh, no, uh, you don't have to do it. That weird kadook that yeah, lights well, going off makes for some reason in films. <laughs> 
all rather mysterious. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.